thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Damarate kushande. That's right. Come on. You're a living instrument destined to praise God. You're an organ of the Holy Ghost and your spirit and soul need expression in the presence of God. Hallelujah. In his presence. Mm. Do you know I've been in the presence of worry? I've been in the presence of fear. I've been in the presence of many things. But only the presence of God brings fullness of joy. You never get any joy from that old wicked worry. You never get any joy from that ugly old fear that raises its head. You never get any joy from anxiety and its stranglehold. It's only in the presence of God that there's fullness of joy. There's coming a day in the life of this church, I saw it many, many years ago. And it's not been here yet, but it's on its way, where this house will be filled with laughter. Your mouth is going to be filled with uncontrollable laughter. It really is. It hasn't come yet, but it's coming. And only one can bring it. No man, no woman can bring it. But when the presence of God rushes in, you can't manufacture it. But I'm telling you now, when it comes, like a wonderful fire, like a wonderful river that's unstoppable, it bursts out of your mouth like those returning captives from Babylon. God's people testified as they left their 70 years of captivity. They said this, he filled our mouths. He filled our mouths with laughter. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, there's a time and a season that is coming in this place in your life where the rain of heaven is going to deluge everything beneath it. There's going to be a new song. There's going to be joy. There's going to be laughter. And irrespective of what's going on in your life, that wonderful laugh of victory in the face of the enemy will cause you to reign and triumph over all of his strategies. It's coming. It's on the calendar. It's on God's calendar. I'm just telling you before it comes, it's going to wash over you. It's wonderful. It's ahead. And when he comes, we want to be ready for it, don't we? We want to be receptive. Oh, what a blessing it is, that joy. That joy, that fullness of joy in our lives. It's spiritual. It's supernatural. It's not normal. It's not normal. It is not of this world. It's what you taste of another world, another kingdom coming into our lives. And it's ahead. It's there. It really is. You may be seated. I love what Jesus is doing with our worship team. Come on. It's absolutely fantastic. You never know. You know, one of these days, the pastor may even sing. You, you never know. Do you know what? Listen, I want to encourage you. Your, your, your very life is an instrument. It's a vessel. It's an organ created really for one sole purpose, to glorify and worship God. 
It really is. There's nothing like it. When you sense that praise and that adoration just bursting out of your soul, out of your, through your, through your spirit, out of your soul, and there's a connection that's unbreakable between you and God. In these days in which we live, whether it's together as a company of people on a Sunday morning, or whether it's on, a, on, on just any given weekday, just allow your, your life to be that open vessel, that instrument that sings psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. It will refresh you. It will bless you. It really will. Amen. Just a little point of encouragement. And don't be afraid. We're a family. If you feel you've got to shout out, praise to God, you're never going to get told off here. What an awful place that would be to arrive at, to actually look down your nose at somebody that's giving praise to the Lord Jesus. That would be awful, wouldn't it? But don't ever feel afraid to do that. You don't have to. Not at all. But there are moments where you just can't hold it back. There are times where you've just got to give it, break through, and declare his praise. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're continuing on in this series of messages, Rethinking Your Life. And we're going we're gonna to go in, in kind of a different way this morning. We're going to talk about how God breaks down strongholds in our lives. Faye and I were just chatting yesterday, and I really didn't know how she was going to start the service. I didn't know uh, what word she was going to bring and how she was going to exhort us this morning. But really, everything that she said, and even the songs that they've learned, have fallen exactly, ordered by God, to set us up to receive this word, I believe, this morning. On August 13th, 1961, the communist government of East Germany began to build a huge concrete wall and lay hundreds of miles of barbed wire fencing between East and West Germany. The official purpose of this wall was to keep the West out and the people of East Germany imprisoned tightly within its boundary. The images on the screen tell the story of that imprisoning scene where multitudes of people were bound and restricted and their freedom was closed down. The wall tore through 192 streets, over 40 railway lines. It plowed over roads, ran through rivers and lakes, all to keep the East German people tightly locked up and confined within its perimeter. It was constantly under surveillance, monitored by 116 patrol towers, and anyone found trying to breach the wall or cross the wire would be shot and killed. But on the 9th of November... 1989, before the eyes of all of the world, that wall that kept masses of people imprisoned and bound for 25 years was finally broken down and destroyed, giving multitudes of people freedom that they had so desperately longed for. Years ago now, Faye and I visited Berlin. It's an incredible city. And we crossed from west over to the east. We went on a walking tour and heard about all of the history of that city and what a checkered history it is. But around it, certain official sites around Berlin 
They still sell relics of the wall that's been torn down. The wall that was destroyed once and for all. It's a relic of victory. It's a relic of triumph. A relic of freedom. But there must have been times that those people that were restricted and bound by wall and wire thought that they would never be able to hold the relics of a broken down wall in their hand. But today, and 25 years after that wall was erected, they stand free. When we look back on history, it's hard to believe really that such oppression is possible for a country to make such an enslaving decision for its people, to imprison them behind perimeter walls and wire. But just like that oppressive physical wall that imprisoned East German people from the West, the Bible tells us of a far greater wall that once stood Erected between man and God. A wall that could never be broken down by our efforts of strength. A wall that separated us from God. This wall wasn't built over 25 years. This wall of separation stood for thousands of years between a loving God and a mankind that was engulfed in darkness and hopelessness. Yet the glorious news of the gospel of Jesus Christ declares that in one foul swoop, Jesus demolished that wall completely and obliterated it forever. The wall that kept us far from God has now been destroyed, has now been broken down. There is no barrier between you and God anymore. I can remember one occasion when I was leading a prayer meeting. And I stood up in front of the people. And I thought, I got the word to declare to them. I got the word to charge them up. To encourage them. I said, this morning, this morning, we're going to break through. Amen, amen. Yeah, we're going to break through. Looking at each other. Yeah, we're going to break through. That's what we're going to do. And very quietly, the Holy Spirit, the teacher, the teacher, whispered in my ear, you can't break through. What I have broken down. There's no need to break through. The barrier has been demolished. The wall no longer exists between you and God. There is open access. There really is. Paul said in one of his letters, he said, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. The connection is there. Listen to Paul's words about the breaking down, about the demolishing of this wall in Ephesians chapter 2. He says this, Ephesians 2 verse 13 to 16, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. The wall that separated us from God is gone forever. Because of Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection from the dead on the third day, 
now forever he sits at the right hand of God and we have open access into his presence. In fact, spiritually, your life is seated in him. Amen. When Paul exclaims that Jesus has broken down the middle wall of separation, the word picture is of a dividing structure being dissolved and melted away. That's the words that are being used here. A dividing structure that was impassable between us and God has been broken down, dissolved, and melted. Have you ever seen anything ever melt and dissolve away? Well, keep that picture in your mind when you think of what Christ did to that wall that separated us from God. There's absolutely no remaining material or fragments for that wall ever to be re-erected. It's dissolved. It's destroyed. It's melted away forever by the once and for all sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. That old wall of separation can never be re-erected. It can never be reassembled or rebuilt because all of the evidence of its existence has gone. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of the resurrection. That's what it's accomplished for our lives forever. We have open access to God. Now, whilst Paul tells us that this middle wall that separated us from God has been destroyed, we have to understand that we still have a very devious adversary and spiritual enemy. The devil still tries a million and one ways to rebuild and re-erect what Paul calls strongholds. Strongholds. He wants to re-erect and rebuild. He can't rebuild that dividing wall that Christ Jesus has demolished, dissolved, and melted away through the power of his cross and through the resurrection wrought on the third day by the very power of God. He can't rebuild or re-erect re that. It's gone forever. But now his ploy is to rebuild what Paul calls strongholds in our minds. To establish a control point of influence in our thinking and in our actions. To hinder our lives in Christ. To stem the wonderful, abundant life that Jesus died to give us. But through the power of God's word, we are here to enforce his defeat. We are here to declare that he has no right at all to erect any kind of stronghold structure mentally in our mind that falls outside of the mind of Christ. There's a violent battle going on continually for territory and ground in our lives. It rages as every moment passes, every moment of every day. This war, this battle rages. It's an invisible war, an invisible battle in our minds. Your mind is connected to a spiritual world where there's an invisible war and every single one of us know the pressure and the tension of that conflict at various times in our lives. It's unrelenting. It's intense. It's also unfair because Satan never fights fair. And the reason why 
This battle rages continually around the clock, day after day, is because the enemy knows that your greatest asset is your mind. Your mind, your soul is your constant companion. It's your closest friend, but it can also be your greatest adversary. The enemy knows that whoever controls your mind controls your life. And therefore, as God's people, we have to be vigilant. We have to guard our hearts and our minds and protect and renew them and be aware that there is that old adversary that roams around like a roaring lion, trying to devour anyone who gives him opportunity. Listen to what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and Faye has already laid the foundation here for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through to verse 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is just one of many verses in the New Testament where Paul sets out a clear picture that shows us that every single one of us as believers of Christ are engaged in a very spiritual battle. It's very real. It's very tangible. It's not ethereal. You experience it. When that old spirit of fear and that spirit of worry, that spirit of jealousy, whatever it, whatever it is, when it, when it comes knocking at your door, you, you experience the tangible force that has come against you that's spiritual. But you have power over that. You really do. This is what Paul wanted the Corinthians to wake up to when he spoke these words. We are not left powerless, cornered by the enemy. No, we have the very power of God within us. We just need to understand it and to appropriate it practically in our lives and come out and enforce his defeat victoriously, not in our own strength, but in the very power of God that works within us. All of the imagery and the language that Paul uses here points out to an all-out war that's waging. In ancient times, a stronghold was a fortress built on top of the highest peak of the city. A citadel that was surrounded and reinforced with walls up, sometimes up to 20 feet thick. In times of war in the city, when it was attacked, the king, his army, and all of his people would secure themselves in the stronghold so they wouldn't be captured or killed. And as the Roman army advanced across their world with their various military campaigns, restraining and retreating armies would hold out in barricaded walled strongholds much like a castle, but against the might of the Roman army, even their greatest strongholds would fall in defeat. And Paul saw this going on around him in his world. So he used the battle scene of engaging forces and metaphorically here in these verses that we've read in 2 Corinthians 10, he parallels it to the spiritual and the mental war that we're all in. He points out 
that our warfare is not natural. Our warfare is not fought by natural means. It's an invisible spiritual war fought with the mighty power of God. Each and every one of us, young and old, have full access to this wonderful, mighty power of God. We're not in a battle, running away, cowering, retreating. No, the people of God have access to the power of God to march forward and advance in all territory within their lives. Our weapons are mighty in God, Paul says, to the pulling down of strongholds. That phrase, pulling down of strongholds, that Paul uses in verse 4 in classical Greek was used when an order was given to tear down an established structure. Like the demolishing of a building. It means to destroy, to vanquish every opposing obstruction. It also means to dethrone and completely overthrow an occupying power that obstructs entry. But with superior force, that power that occupies a position is dethroned. This is the picture that Paul is building before these believers at Corinth and before us through the Word of God. Strongholds are to be pulled down. Mental strongholds, they are to be pulled down. They are to be demolished. Every thought that falls outside of the boundaries of the precious Word of God and the mind of Christ is to be cast down and taken captive and paraded in victory before principalities and powers and taken to Christ. These are all of the images that you see when you look at the, the, the Greek language that Paul used and wrote in. He assures us that the power of God is available to every believer in Christ to demolish and destroy every mental barrier, every mental stronghold. Maybe sometimes those strongholds have been built up for years. And year after year, they've strengthened themselves and grown bigger and bigger and more intimidating. Paul said, it can be brought down with the power of God. Paul says it can be demolished. Paul says it can be leveled. Paul says it can crumble. And you can hold victory in your hands of relics of fear, relics of depression, relics of bondage that have been broken through the power of Christ. When a demolition team turn up at a site to demolish a building, they don't go up to the, to the, to the building that they've got to bring down with chipping hammers. Turn up with their little toffee hammers and start to hit the building and strike the building in the hope to bring the building down. No, they go down into the foundations of that building and they plant their explosives and then they activate the de detonators. There's a huge explosion. The building gets completely leveled and destroyed. They use a superior power to bring down a structure that's bigger than their ability to contend with. You have superior power over all areas of your life. The 
power of God, it does not matter how rooted, how established, how strong, how intimidating that thing is, whatever it is that holds you back in your mind, you cannot beat it with your strength, you cannot beat it with your discipline, you've tried to fast it away, you've tried to all different means and modes and, and all of these different things to try and crack it. No, you have access to superior power to deal with structures that are bigger and beyond you that are established in your life. Every stronghold has got to come down so that you can flourish and walk in the freedom that Christ has given you. Christ has set you free for freedom's sake. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you now, our walk on this earth is relatively short, and we are not going to waste our time being bound with strongholds. We're not going to waste another moment, devil, being held captive to fear and all of these different addictions, possibly. We're going to walk free and spend our lives in the freedom and in the joy of the Lord. Because that's what Jesus, yeah, died for. It really is. It really is. It's wonderful. Do you know, I've watched battle scenes. And we have, we have soldiers in this house, men who work in the army and they would be able to tell us far better than I can tell you but I've seen it I'll tell you now I've seen it on TV when you get some soldiers in the hills and they're surrounded by forces who are raining down an offensive on them and they feel cornered they, 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 they feel there's no way of escape and one calls over to the man on the radio. And do you know what they say? My God, it's devastating. Just call, a radio, just call an airstrike in. Call an airstrike in. And they give the coordinates over the radio. And within minutes, you get these F-64, 525s coming down the valley, man. And my God, they just carpet bomb the entire region. And all of a sudden, there's no more enemy fire. We don't, we don't wage war like that. We just get on our knees and fight like a man. We just get on our knees and fight like a woman. And you watch the firepower of heaven come down on that stronghold and rain down its mighty power and destroy it to glorify God. Hallelujah. Think for a moment. There may be areas in your life, in your mind currently, controlled by the enemy's lies, by his fear, by doubt and worry. Territory maybe that we've surrendered. We just don't know how to reclaim. We cry our tears and we wish we'd never done what we did. And we look back into the past and we think, oh, if only I hadn't, my life wouldn't be in this condition. Listen, we've all got that story. We've all got those areas in our life that we've given over, territory we've let go of in our minds and in our lives. And the enemy now may stand on it. He's built his stronghold. The Bible talks about don't give the enemy a foothold. A foothold's only a little thing, really, relatively. But when you give him a foothold, he builds a stronghold. You give him a little room and he builds something big. And that's what happens sometimes over time. Just call in firepower. Call in an airstrike. It's so exciting. It really is. It really is. Because you don't have to use your strength. You just have to rest, relax, and say, hey... I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to come at you with my little chipping hammer, 
my little empty confessions that I don't really believe or my, my, my prayers that don't go any higher than my ceiling. I'm just going to call in an airstrike. I'm just going to call in some firepower. And you watch God's power rain down on that ugly thing that's been growing in your life. And the freedom that you will experience will be absolutely glorious. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about that old stronghold. Just relax. Rest. Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. What does it mean? In everyday language, just chill out. Chill out. Just sit back. Don't panic. Don't worry. Be still. Rest. And know that I'm God. God's coming to visit that stronghold. God's coming to visit that place. That territory that you might not own at this moment in time, you're going you're gonna to experience a change. You're going to experience possibly freedom for the first time in an area that you were ashamed of. You can't defeat what you're unwilling to define. Define it. Is it worry? Name it. You can't defeat what you're unwilling to define. Take responsibility for it. Name it. It's worry. It's fear. It's anxiety. It's insecurity. It's jealousy. It's pornography. It's alcoholism. What, what, whatever it might be. Guess what? God won't fall off his throne. He won't. He knows all about it. There's no, there's, no, there's no fear in love. Don't be ashamed. Don't beat yourself up. It's fine. You're in his presence. He's already paid for it all by the shedding of his blood. But you can't defeat it until you're willing to define it. You might need a good close friend to stand with and chat with. Now you've got to choose your friends carefully and wisely. But a good trusted friend say, hey, listen, I've been, I've been battling with this now for a long time. Please, would you help me? You're not going to take it down brick by brick. Oh, today I'm going to... I'm going to try and take this brick out of, the, out of the stronghold. Put it over by you. Come back. Long way to go, but you never know. By the end of my life, before I pop my clogs, it might come down. Another brick. Sorry, Lord. No wonder we... I, I've, gone, I've gone at strongholds in my life like that. I'm, I'm, the reason why I can talk like that is because I'm talking about me. See? So, I, I'm sorry, Lord. There it is. There's a, another brick by there. And, yep. I, I just kind of sentenced to do this for the rest of my life. There's another brick. Call in the firepower. Don't waste your time. <laughs> Don't waste your time. Paul doesn't tell us to be patient with strongholds. No, we've, we've got to be patient with one another. When it comes to strongholds, you don't have to be patient with a stronghold. It just gets demolished. It just gets obliterated by the power of God. And you go free. Your life just flourishes and opens up. It's absolutely fantastic. It's wonderful. The joy and the freedom. You wait and see. You won't even have to tell people that things have changed and adjusted and been amended in your life. It'll just, it'll just break forth out of you. People will see the difference in your countenance. All the strain will go. The smile. You having a good day? <sighs> so wonderful today. What's wonderful about it? Well, you know, just woke up and just looked out of the window. It's just wonderful. Just wonderful to be alive. It's fantastic. Oh, love it. 
Why are you doing this all the time? Stronghold. Oh. Or when you're, when you look, this is another one. We've got to stop it at some point. When you, when you think you haven't got any strongholds and you're looking at everybody else's. Have you still got that ugly sin in your life? You should be ashamed of yourself. You dirty, stinking, filthy sinner. You know, Jesus had to contend with that and confront it all the time. Because not only is it condescending and condemning for the person that has got personal struggles in their life and are believing God for a new day to come, it's also really damaging and damning for the person that carries out that judgmental act. It really is. We haven't got time to go there. But that in itself is a stronghold. It really is. Now, where was I? Hmm. You need to define it before you can defeat it. And you can't change anything until you're willing to confront it. You confront it. You may have a tendency to get afraid. You know, one of my biggest battles is fear. I'll be honest with you. It is. But and worry. Right? I mean, when I'm not worried, I'm worried. Oh, I'm not worried. I'm, I'm worried that I'm not worried. Honestly, it sounds stupid. But the enemy, that's it, Helen, come on. Come on, Helen. Thank you, Jesus. Give us more, Lord. See, we get, we get worried. I do. But you, but you know what? It's, it's a stronghold. But the Lord wants to destroy that. He really does. Because it distorts your view of life. It distorts you as a person. It really does. He wants to break it and smash it and destroy it so that you can live free without a care in the world. You've got to define it to defeat it. You've got to confront it to change it. I confront that worry. I confront that anxiety when it crops up, when it knocks on the door, and sometimes it gets in and I allow it in. And on, on other occasions, I, I get victory over it. And it's better when I get victory over it. It really is. Maybe next week we'll look at some of, the, some of these mighty weapons that, that Paul talks about. And I, I just picked up on a few. One of them is what we've been doing together this morning. That's why it's very important that we meet collectively as the people of God, isn't it? Whether it's together on a Sunday morning or whether it's just you and your friend in the week praising God, lifting up his name. Praise is a powerful weapon to destroy strongholds. Fay, Fay said that this morning regarding the walls of Jericho. They came down through the power of praise. We'll look at those maybe, maybe next week. But in the closing moments of today, I want to finish with a story from the Old Testament. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, we read of how the city of Jerusalem was occupied by the Jebusites. They were unwilling to surrender the city to King David. They were very stubborn, very rude very rebellious. But David had decided to make Jerusalem the city of God's people. David saw Jerusalem as the praise of all the earth. David had in his heart the city of Jerusalem for it to house a habitation for the very presence of God. And as David stood before the walls of this city that he wanted 
to capture. The Jebusites stood on the inside and mocked him, laughed at him, cast insults at the king as they stood high above on their walls, looking down at David. As they looked down from the walls of Jerusalem, they rained down insults from their high position, shouting defiantly. As we hear in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 6, this is what they said as they looked down on the king. You shall not come in here, David, but the blind and the lame will repel you, thinking, David cannot come in here. That was the stronghold. That was the standoff. This occupying force of Jebusites were strong, they were stubborn, and they were unwilling to let David come into the city and make it the city of God. What did David do? Well, he didn't enter into conversation with them. He did not strike a deal or barter a bargain with their mockery. Verse 7 simply declares, Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. So David went on and became great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. David took the stronghold of his enemy and made Jerusalem the city of God. The message from the story is simple for us. The message from the story is obvious. God wants you and I to take every stronghold in our lives and make it a capital for His glory, a capital for His presence. Just like those Jebusites hurled insults at David from above, the voice of fear and insecurity may stand high above all of your attempts to take it captive and hurl out the same insults. You can't come in here. Who do you think you are? Who are you to contend with our strength? But what that stronghold has failed to account for is this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What that stronghold and that presence of fear has failed to account for is you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Greater is he. Greater is he that is in you. If God is for you, who can be against you? The very places in our lives that provide a place for the enemy is going to be regained in the times in which we live. Regained for the glory of God. Regained for his presence. Regained for his honor. And just like David, you are going to make those areas of your life God-glorifying, God-exalting. No longer will the enemy have control. No longer will the enemy be able to stand on that territory for the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the demolishing of every stronghold. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Finally, as we close, the word Jerusalem, if you study it out in Hebrew, means a place that flows in complete and perfect wholeness. A place that flows in complete and perfect wholeness. When the Jebusites occupied Jerusalem, it certainly wasn't anything whole. It certainly was far from the perfection that God had planned for it. But when King David captured the stronghold of Jerusalem, 
He victoriously ousted disorder and rebellion and brought down that foreign power that occupied it, making Jerusalem a habitation for the very presence of God. And guess where Jesus is returning? Just a thought. Retake, retake those areas of your life that are currently occupied by a foreign force. Retake, reestablish them as places that are God-exalting, God-glorifying. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And because of that, we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence in this place. We thank you for your word to us. Jesus, you said in your word that if we abide in you and your word abides in us, we are your disciples. Lord, we abide in you. Oh, God, your word abides in us. We are your disciples, your followers. And because of that, you have promised that we will know the truth and the truth shall make us free. We thank you that those areas of our life that may currently be restricted and limited and bound up, as we call on you, as we praise you, there's going to be a supernatural intervention of your power within our mind, within our soul. And we're going to find in these days that all of those hindrances that have hung about for far too long are going to be destroyed, demolished, and broken down. Hurt, pain, bitterness, shame. The ashes of a broken life are suddenly going to be beautiful again because of your goodness. And just like your word declares, we will see that actually we are the very workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. We thank you for it. And all God's people said, amen. Listen, why don't you stand to your feet now? Why don't you just give him a big, huge round of applause? A shout of praise. And let's sing in victory. Let's sing in triumph this morning before we go. God bless you.